Welcome to Daytime Confidentials, CBS and Day's podcast. This is Luke. Today, I have a special guest with us. Mike is gone. Lisa is gone. It's going to be a little bit informal. Jay is with me, and we're going to discuss your favorite NBC and CBS soaps. Who knows? Maybe we'll also do talk a little bit about ABC, so stay tuned. Terrible intro, but that's okay, because I've got a chance to visit with Jay. Welcome. Hey, how you doing, Luke? Pretty good. It's been a while since we've had a chance to talk, and I figured it was one of those things where I I wanted to make sure that we got a CBS episode in this week, and Mike wasn't able to make it, and Lisa had a scheduling conflict, and so I figured, you know what, maybe I'll just see if my friend Jay is around. All right, great. So, for those of you who do not know, Jay is sort of my personal encyclopedia of soap knowledge. When, Whenever it comes time where I have a question that I'm not sure on something, I instant message Jay because I figure he will have the answers to the questions. And so I know he's a big Days of Our Lives fan. Him and I don't agree on everything. We, in fact, we argue about it at least once or twice a month on various things. What do you think of what's going on with Days of Our Lives? What do you think of Dina Higley's arrival? What do you think is going to happen with Days? Okay, well, Days, probably, of all the soaps, is my heart of hearts. Um, I'm 30 years old, and I've watched it for 30 years. So there's not a time in my life that I don't remember Days being on in the background of, you know, my family life, the Horton tree every Christmas, you know, that's, that's a part of our family tradition. So it's, so needless to say, I'm kind of anxious about the current state of days or really how it's been in the last five years. But really, I mean, I'm really perplexed right now. I, I cannot fathom killing off uh, John Black. To me, that's just like, it's like almost self-sabotage. It's like, do they want to be canceled? And well, some no, people have compared a, it. Some people have compared it to killing off Frankie on Another World. Do you think it's comparable? Exactly. I think it is basically three steps into Another World. You know, killing off Frankie, uh, killing off Ryan, and then the final nail I think was killing off Michael Hudson. But um, and then of course spinning into the trying to mimic days with the supernatural vampire storylines and the time traveling villain that just really you know put the nail in the coffin, but I think Drake Hogeston, it, it's been a really sad situation because so many newer fans talk about how he can't act, and, you know, that's like the, that's the thing I hear all the time, but, and I can see why people say that, because in the last four or five years, both him and Deidre Hall, in my opinion, have been kind of phoning in their acting, but that's because I really feel that they've been given such piss-poor material to play but they say, well, hey, forget it. But if okay. you look back to the time when, say, the affair that created Bell was taking place, uh-huh. they were soap gods. I mean, they had it down pat. They knew how to play romance, adventure. I mean, even up to the to the um, Devil Possession storyline, which was known for being so outrageous, but it had the basic tenets of a good romantic soap opera storyline where the hero rescues his heroine at the end. But I think in the last couple of years, with all the lunacy of bringing back the old Roman as Alex North and, 
you know, the serial killing that wasn't. I think they just finally decided, screw it. I'll just, you know, pretend like I'm doing bad dinner theater since that's what I'm given. Okay, well, before before I have every single John and Marlena fan emailing me um, saying, Luke, how can you have someone who's saying this about them? I would like to point out that Deidre Hall and Drake Hogeston has have done some amazing work as part of his going away stuff. Yes, and they post, have. They have. Po- post and, his and death, I am definitely a diehard. That's what I, you know. I am a diehard John and Marlena fan at their best. I'm not really blaming them. I'm just saying that you know before this, I mean, you know before this, this storyline really has energized, and that's the weird thing. It's like the. Days has been, you know, the writing for the episodes for his funeral was the best it's been in a while, but I just still can't. It's like with John Abbott's death on Young and the Restless. Those scenes were great, but you still just killed off a patriarch of a major family, and that was ridiculous, you know. I feel like characters like that should die in real life and then die on the show when they're that much of a legacy character. You don't kill off a, a Abbott or... John Black. That's just well. Absurd. To be fair, though, John Black is not quite the same as John Abbott in terms of patriarchal status. I mean, I can, I, I, I would say that like people like Ann Lee, who um, played Lila, and the guy who mm-hmm. played John Abbott. And now, if you were saying that about um, Mrs. Horton, I forget the actress's name, but Francis I. Reed. If, Francis Reed, if they had like uh-huh. tried killing her off, I would totally agree with you because she is a matriarch. But, but see, the thing of it is, if you okay, I'll give you that, but. Killing off Francis Reed would not have caused the ratings blip that killing off John Black will. True. Because True. John Black, this is my, I'm a huge, my favorite days couple is Bo and Hope, um, hands down. But I have to concede that the most popular couple on that show is John and Marlena. Their fans are rabid. So it makes utter no business sense, in my opinion, to kill off John Black. When they have so much, I, and the other thing that I, that bothers me is the whole engulfing the show with the Demeras. It's like any fan who's been watching longer than ten years realizes that the Demeras were not always this all-consuming enemy force for the show. There had been several villains that, that this family, yes, went up against. When when Patch was killed off, he was investigating Lawrence Alamein, not. Stefano. Stefano wasn't even involved in that. You know, when Marlena's plane went down, it was because of Orpheus. When Hope died in the acid pit, it was because of Ernesto Toscano. But I think James E. Riley wanting to make Stefano such a megalomaniacal, you know, megamaniacal villain, he tied it all back into Stefano, and that just, to me, that made for this foolish vendetta storyline that fans who were watching back then know that there wasn't any mention of a 50-year-old feud when it first started. Stefano was a drug lord who was trying to take over Salem, the streets, and Roman was the cop who was trying to stop it. I mean, it was a simple, normal storyline, but I think with the, you know, trying to compete with General Hospital, with the Cassidines, and, and the Cassidines being so grand, they went about trying to make Stefano and the Demeras more like that. And, it, and you hate I mean, the Cassidines, right? No, I don't hate the Cassidines. I hate cartoonish villains. I love Stefan Cassidine and his sort of... But you don't like Helena, though, right? right. Exactly. I like Helena I liked Helena in the beginning <laughs> with Stefan and the whole Oedipal mother-son weird, you know, thing they had going on. And 
and her villainy, you know, her one-liners with Alexis, but I cannot stand the thought of a 70-year-old woman being knocked off of cliffs and not dying and then coming back and every time Nicholas tries to have sex, here she is with a knife ready to stab some heroine. You know, that to me just, that's absurd. That's, that's cartoon villainy. And that's not what the soaps do. Let's leave that for 24 or something well, like that. Well, I don't that. know. I think I think that in uh, in some ways, Days of Our Lives, by focusing so much on Stefano, has allowed the show to be able to bring back a major villain. Obviously, the show has a huge cast. They probably can't afford to bring back three or four different villains. Right. So they focus on the biggest one to try and get his most bang for the buck. Because let's face it, the show was not the same without Stefano on it. No, and I was very excited about Stefano coming back, but you know what? They missed the point. Stefano and John Black were the true super couple, with Marlena in the middle of the triangle. That's what kept days going in the 90s, when it was so over the top sometimes. But you tuned in because you wanted to see what Stefano was going to do to Marlena next, and how was John going to save her. This time, Stefano has been played as an old man in a bed while his... Well, we've watched his newbie son learn how to act. You know, they there was a reason they fired uh, that Ethan guy from All My Children. He's a pretty boy. You know, I can be. I know you don't agree with this, but he is not a day's supervillain. EJ's not at, supposed to be a supervillain at this point. That is what they tried to make him. You know, they had, well, they don't know what well, his they identity were, is. Well, initially they were... When he comes were, on and he me, shoots John Black and he gets rid of Lexi and he rapes Sammy, they are trying to make him the new supervillain. And it's laughable because Bo Brady in the past would have snapped someone like him, snapped his neck like a twig. Patch, I mean, these guys brought down serial killers, you know, in England. I mean, that's the, that's the history of days. You know, Patch single-handedly brought down religious cults, but now this dapper British guy, you know, is terrifying the whole town. Sammy! I mean, this is Sammy who took on Victor See, Kiriakis. And wait, 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 though. I don't, I don't, okay, I, I will, I will agree with you to the extent that they, they did try and make him into a quote-unquote, as you said, supervillain initially when he arrived, but I always believe that it had more to do with the build-up to Stefano's imminent arrival, because when he arrived, all of a sudden the Stefano rumors started, so I figured yeah, I think that, that he was. Well, I know, figured when, it was all part of the build-up to Stefano's return. When Hogan Sheffer first took over, he said him, he gave an interview on TV Guide saying that it was time to end Stefano and Victor. He said that they were too old and that it was time to pass it on to a new generation with EJ and, and um, Philip Kiriakis. So I think that he just planned to have these guys be the new generation of bad guys in Salem. I think that the Stefano coming back came because of the ratings dropping, and they started scrambling. I don't think it was ever a conscious plan at the time to to bring Stefano back once they brought EJ on. Now, but I, I could be wrong about that. But I want to ask you about Sheffer because I was so excited when word first came out oh, Sheffer so was, was coming back because yeah. what Sheffer did for As World Turns was amazing. Yes. Um, but I think you and I were sort of discussing it on Instant Messenger the other day, and it was one of those things, it's like, well, there's some writers who are best with one soap. Yeah. And obviously, As the World Turns was best, he was the one he was best with. What do you think of Shepard's performance? I think that 
he came on the days and did what so many writers did in the 90s to kill soaps like A.W. and Santa Barbara. He didn't look at the history. He started trying to write his own story, and I think he basically made the show worse than when James Riley left. And, you know, this is the other thing. Now, I remember being on the, on the As the World Turns message boards during his reign, and a lot of fans were upset. A lot of the long-term fans, let me preface my soap-watching time frame, I only started watching As the World Turns in 99 when Another World ended. That's when so, I started, too. I, went, I watched for Cass and Lila. Yes, it sucked right there in the beginning years that I was watching. So when he came over, he electrified the show, in my opinion. But long-term, as the World Turns fans were upset because he backburdered characters like uh, Lucinda and Lisa. Well, I didn't have the emotional connection to those characters, so I can kind of see the same thing a lot of the times when I'm on the day's message boards. Newer fans aren't that upset with some of his storylines or... You know, there's this one guy on one of the day's message boards that loved that whole air mess debacle where, the, oh. you know, and I wanted to chunk a rock and hit the TV every time I saw <laughs> Chelsea and Max and this, what was it called? The air. Oh, air. I don't even want to think I of it. Mean, it, was I, it was so bad. Uh, this, like, this is, and this brings me back to, this brings me back to Dina Higley because the exact same thing that you had mentioned about the fact that Sheffer came into days of our lives and didn't know the history and was just writing what he wanted to write, write mm-hmm. was the exact same accusation that was being made of Dina Higley and about her writing on one life to live because right. she had never been there. She was just writing in her fantasy worlds was sending in scripts. So, so, Dina Higley has history with the show. She's coming right. back. Um, one of the biggest criticisms that um, Sheffer has had was the fact that his teen storylines are so awful, it's yeah. not even funny. Yeah. What do you think of how they will work together? What do you think that her return will bring to the show? Do you think it's possible that it could be a good thing? Or do you Dina think it's- Higley, I, you know, again, I only started watching One Life to Live. In fact, I started watching One Life to Live in 2003 or four, so my first big storyline was the Santee storyline, which we all oh, know. Oh, God, that was awful. Yeah, so I liked Dita Higley, of course. Like, again, I'm not a long-time One Life to Live watcher, so I thought Dina was very ripped from the headlines. She tried a lot of stuff that, that was daring for daytime, the gay, gay politician, DA or whatever he was. You know, I thought that stuff was kind of neat. Um, well, it, once again, another matter. Dark. I'll give it. I I don't like when soaps are so dark and depressing, and there's one you know psycho after another. You know, isn't Days of Our Lives dark enough that she should be able to be right at home? Because but that's the thing. If she balances it with humor, Days has always been kind of kind of gothic, but there has to be an infusion of humor. There's got to be um, a Vivian Alamein drugging the patients and killing them with humor. You know, it, you know, it just can't be played for blood and gut. Well, you... I think Dina will do good there because the one main thing that I'm happy about is that she wrote for days from the mid-'80s up until 2000s. So she at least knows who these characters are. She knows that, you know, John Black wouldn't have allowed E.J. Wells to roam about Salem wreaking havoc. She Though also that, she's been she was responsible for aliens and clone children and that's true. But in her defense, NBC probably tried to mandate a lot of that because James Riley 
love him or hate him, was so successful with Supernatural that every writer after him had to try to do Supernatural. You know, that's kind of what the problem was. And, you know, Ken Corday has said over the years that he's going to do away with that. But I think that because Days was so successful with the demon possession and Buried Alive and all of those over-the-top Supernatural storylines, that there's still somebody at NBC saying, we got to do Supernatural. That's what these people want. Before we switch from CB or from Days of Our Lives, we can't dis- leave that topic without discussing Sammy. What uh, do you think of the state of Sammy as it is today? Currently, okay. she has two children. One of them is a Demira. One of them is a Horton. That's, of course, excluding Will. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the status of um, for the listeners? Sammy. Because you and I were you and I were arguing back and forth, and we basically both came to the conclusion that we need Nicole back so that she has a rival. Yes, I feel like. Okay, and I okay. I told you Born Hope were my favorite couple. Well, Sammy is probably my favorite singular character on days. And I've heard so much that people wanted Sammy to grow up and this and that. And I, I know Hope, Hogan said when he first took over the show, that's what he wanted to do was to make Sammy grow up. I don't feel that soaps have to grow their characters up. Sure, we have to make them, you know, bec- you know when they have children – they have to become a little more maternal, like as we talked, like Barbara and as the world turns. But there's a reason Susan Lucci's Erica Kane has been popular for 30 years. She never grows up. Sammy True. should still be scheming and conniving. No one wants to see Sammy crying and boohooing and afraid. Of, and I'll know, agree with you on that, girls. but at the, at the same time, I, I when when he said that he needed to have her grow up, part of that for me was he, we were just coming off of the Sammy Stan storyline and the outlandishness yeah. and the, of that. And that Stan storyline, yeah. That kind of stuff is and when so, they really lost the essence. Sammy, at her best, is just... Sammy is the same prototype that Soaps had been using since the beginning of the of the genre. She's the bad girl that you pit against the good girl. She's Erica Kane versus Brooke. You know, she that's what like we were saying, she needs her good girl. She to needs fight Nicole. Well no, I yeah. don't even think she or needs not a good, even a good girl, she, needs she needs Nicole. Someone. You know, I, you say Nicole, I wouldn't mind a Greta I think Sammy needs a good girl. I think Lucas needs to get involved with some oh. Some heroin type girl. Uh, see, I don't Sammy, want another. I don't want another rehash of Sammy versus another Carrie because Carrie drove me nuts. She was always the good Miss Prissy little girl. She she was an adult version of what Belle is now. I understand I that. I want bad say girls. That, but do you know how high the ratings were back then? True. Sammy versus Carrie for Austin carried that show for ten years. It was it was just it was classic. It's a classic triangle like Brooke. Ridge Taylor. I mean, I know people get sick of it, and they say they don't want it, but you, I mean, my whole family, now I'm the only one that watches Days. But back then, what Sammy was going to do next to prevent the the all-wonderful couple, whatever, you know, not, and it wasn't just Carrie. It was also Austin and Greta, or Brandon and Lexi. You know, it's just always Sammy fighting against the couple that should be together, and you were wondering, what's she going to do next? What, you know, when's she going to switch some blood tests? I mean, and I know that it's, it's maybe it's cliche, but that's what people tuned in to watch. They wanted that's, to see 
What was Sammy going to do next? And well, and I'll, and I'll agree with you that. I mean, they have they have defanged her a bit too much. That is I true. I mean, she cries every episode. She cries and whimpers. This is the same Sammy that shot her first rapist, you know, in the business when she was a teenage girl. She took on the Taliban or whatever that ridiculous storyline was. I mean, and now, I mean, you know, at the Greta's coronation, she took on the mob and now she's crying over EJ. I mean, I well, just... But do you think that she's in part, they're part, in part getting her back to it now that she's um, marrying EJ and has a plan to try and bring him down? The Sammy I know in love would have drugged EJ and hired a teen hooker to have sex with him and then blackmail him to leave her family alone. You know, or something diabolical, scheming, where she's talking to... The, I'm sorry, you know, where she's talking to herself and conniving and she's got some poor unwilling suspect helping her. You know, I liked it when she and Celeste were teaming up to get EJ because that's the Sammy I know, even though she was reluctant. That was good. I will admit it. That was good. That Sammy takes charge. She's not a helpless victim. She's not Dale. She's not Carrie. You know, she, and, and that's, I really think they've lost the essence of who Sammy really is. And I think in part, I think in part of that is the fact that they've also sort of, made her and Kate uneasy uh, people together. It's not like yeah. they're at war continually. But we've got to move on to the CBS soaps. Okay. Um, we both agree. We need Vivian back. We'll oh, just yeah. leave it at that. Louis Sorrell could be on all 12 of the soaps, and I'd be happy. <laughs> <laughs> right there with you. Well, okay. We've mentioned As the World Turns. What do you think of the state of As the World Turns? Okay. Um... First of all, what do you think of... Um, Rosanna, Paul, Meg, Craig. Hate it, hate it, hate it. Um, Have they I not destroyed? It's like I never thought that I'd hate both of her returns to all my children, and now I hate the, her return to As the World Turns. And I love her, so it makes me really frustrated. But Hogan needs to be back there because he wrote her so well. Oh, uh, he did. It was amazing. Rosanna is this sophisticated bitch goddess who has a heart that, you know, that a good man or her sister can bring out. Now she's she's a wimp. I hate this Craig. I know he's the original, but I like Tut Block. Thank I you. I guess I understand why, you know, when I argue with some days fans about the old Roman, they're like, screw him, we like this Roman. Okay, fine, I get it now, because I like Tut Block as Craig. He's Craig <laughs> to me. Um, <laughs> you know, I like Meg because I love the actress on Port Charles, but they just she has no moral compass, you know. She just flits back and forth between all the men on the show and she's just not a true blue smiter to me. They could get rid of her. What about Lillian Holden? Is that just not horrible? I'm so tired of Lily and Holden in this same old you know I, I think mean, it's all Holden's fault though. Yeah, and my thing is, and I know I said I like the cliches where it's always the same, but maybe I don't I don't mean that totally, because if you have a couple that have broken up and gotten married, broken up and gotten married, after about the third trip down the aisle, come on. It's, it's annoying. It's ridiculous. It's time to age their children and let them be the forefront and let Lily start dealing with issues that a woman of her age, I mean, and not that she's old at all, let's give Lily breast cancer or or some kind of social issue. I think there's always been this transition in soaps when you're in your, tw- your teens and your 20s, you're the ingenue. 
And then when you're in your 30s and your 40s, you start dealing with the more socially relevant storylines. And you're, you know, breaking up Holden and Lily over and over again is silly to me. They need to give them meteor, give Holden testicular cancer or something, <laughs> something for them to deal with instead of breaking up and making up and cheating. And I mean, it's, it's old. I mean, come on. So basically you want to have happen to Lily what ha- is what happened to Carly except for actually be deathly ill. Yeah, yeah, give her something, and maybe not deathly ill, but, you know, give her some really challenging storylines at, at the company. You well, know, and heaven knows Martha Byrne is completely capable of it. Oh, I love Martha Byrne. I'm still angry that they killed off Rose. Amen. That was one of the best characters, you know. It takes a lot for me to be impressed with a dual role because, I mean, my favorite characters of all time were Vicky and Marley. So, usually dual roles make me roll my eyes, but... Lily and Rose were awesome. They were right there. Very, very few dual roles work. And she the, was right there with Adam and Stewart and and um Vicky and Marley. You know, I mean, Okay, that was quick side great. note. Um Ava and Lily. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> ugh. My God, that is awful. That I know, isn't it horrible? Girl. Okay, well I back mean, to back ugh. to Lily real quick. <laughs> okay. Um, since, uh, of course, they in some respects, though, they have aged her children. I mean, now you have Luke and Noah in a hugely front-burner storyline. As the World Turns has been um, either third or tying for third for almost the last month or so now. I really like the gay storyline, but I really wish they would... I mean, and I know it's a soap, so they have to give it over-the-top situations, but can we just have a real gay storyline without, you know... Well, it's much more know. it's much more real than Bianca on All My Children. Oh yeah, you know. I mean, if they turn, the only way that ABC could get away with making Bianca gay was by making her a saint. She well, the sainted and then having a rape. Of, yes, rape her. You know, make her the family's voice of reason. You know, they just you know that's the only way they could say, okay, yes, yeah, she's a lesbian, but she's so sweet and pure. It's like. As if to say she couldn't have been sweet and pure without having victimized her. Well, that's like the thing. They brought they brought Lucas um, Spen- or Spencer. No, no. Yeah, Lucas Spencer on victimized him on General Hospital. Oh, that. Oh, yeah. And oh, then Bobby's Lucas. Yes, and yeah. then on One Life to Live, they turned him into a murderer. I mean, either yeah. you're the victim or the murderer on ABC. But you know, I mean, why not just have? I would have rather than actually have him deal with someone like. Lisa being a homophobe, you know, or let let it be realistic. Let Jack not have been able to do, you know, of course they don't want to make their characters uh, seem homophobic, but let it be realistic. Let, you know, why not let Jack have been antsy about having him around Parker? And you know the educated. character that they could have done that with the best and gotten away with it, I think would have been Emma. Yeah, let Emma have had problems. Emma, with all that the is real life and that is what gay kids are dealing with. Your grandma can be sweet as pie and wonderful, and you love her to death, but if you tell her that you're gay in America, nine chances out of ten, she's not going to give you a big hug and say, it's okay, do you want another piece of pie? You know, let her... Now, Lucinda, I would have expected to be okay with it because she's worldly. Exactly. You know, but... But, Emma, but I think that they could have done it with Emma because yeah. it would have been very much in character for her, and it would have exactly. provided... They could have played the religious angles. Exactly. But I think a lot of times folks are still scared, you know, to, to go there. But I give them props for even trying. I mean, for, you know, for having two guys kissing on daytime. I mean, 
I will give them major props for that. Um, what do you think of Carly and Jack and Katie and Brad? Austin Peck is doing the work of his career. Austin Peck has finally learned how to act. I almost want to do a football trade and have him go back to days now that <laughs> someone has actually taught him how to act. You know, On Instant <laughs> Messenger, you were telling me something about the fact that the acting coaches, they must have the best yeah, acting coaches. Yeah, they must have some really good acting coaches, coaches because I've watched um, Agim Kaba, you know, when he first came out as Aaron. Yes. Isn't that holding all this Yeah, he couldn't act to save his life. He can act now. Well, and the transformation, Peyton I hate List. to say... Peyton List could not act when she first got to As the World Turns. Somebody there is teaching people how to act. Well, and, and even, they, there's there's something about it, too, because even Katie McLean, who I did not like as Dixie prior to her first arrival on As the World Turns, there uh-huh. was something about different about Katie McLean on As the World Turns, too. Yeah, yeah. She she really came into her, and you know, a lot of it is probably being challenged because I mean, after playing sweet saccharine Dixie True. for ten years, I mean, getting to play a bitch goddess with her own million dollar fortune, probably you know, it was like fun. It was like being in acting camp again. You know, she's playing a whole different type of character, and I think Rosanna lines up a lot more with who Katie is in real life because you know she's got her own bar in New Orleans and she's real cool and. You know, she's not a Dixie, you know, so yeah. that probably was a relief to play, but I don't, I'm sure she hates how she's playing her now. She actually put a note on her blog recently that said, um, I'm sorry, um, I apologize to the fans, I only act what I'm given in the scripts, I know a lot of you don't like it. Yes, and yeah, I can but, see that. So back you know, the actress that I, since we're talking CBS, and I really haven't watched this show a lot lately because I'm sick of it, but I will give her this amazing kudos is Kim Zimmer. She, and this goes back to also what I was saying about Drake and D. Kim Zimmer has been given some of the biggest turkeys of storylines in the history of daytime television, and she never phones it in. Never. She never, whether she's a time-traveling ghost, princess, clone, clone, she gives it the best. I know she wants to cuss the writers out, sometimes when she receives a script. But she throws that to the wayside when they yell action. I think that a lot of actors in daytime could learn a lot from that because she at least gives the fan, even if it's only one fan left watching, she gives them... At this point, that's all there is with Guiding Light. She gives them her best. Whereas, you know, and I definitely can understand why why the actors would get frustrated, but... You have to find something within yourself that says, if there's one person out there still watching me and believing this character, I've got to give it my all. So what do you think of the fact that they've bro- broken up um, Gus and Harley, they've broken up Josh and Reva? They've... You know, again, I think, do people want this show to stay on the air? Exactly, I mean, exactly. Do they want it to stay on the air? Do they really think we want to see Josh as a preacher? Do they really no. think we want to see Josh with Cassie? No. Do they really think we want to see Reva with Jeffrey when he used to screw her daughter? I mean, and I know soaps, that's not that big of a thing in soaps, but, I mean, it's well, just... Well, if you, if you consider it from another angle, if you consider the fact that he raped Olivia, then, I yeah. mean, the fact you that know, she's I with mean, rapist... that, that in and of itself, you know, I mean, God and Light has lost its light. I mean, I just, you know... I, I they have can't some amazing really talent, watch it because though. it's like they basically have thrown away the history. They've thrown it up in the air, you know. 
I remember Allen never thinking Beth was good enough for Philip, and you know tried to break them up for years. Now he's in love with her. I mean, that, that's just creepy. Well, and then know, they have they kind of morphed into a father daughter relationship, and now you know ugh, he's got a baby with her. I mean, it just I don't know. That just that's not relatable, you know. And you look at. The soap opera is not dead. It's only dead on daytime, which is where it began. That's what's so sad. Because if you look at prime time, the soap opera is alive and well. Exactly. I mean, are they not watch? Are the writers not watching Dirty Sexy Money? I mean, they are know they not how to watching write. Brothers and Sisters? Are they not watching yes. Grey's Anatomy? Are they not watching? I mean, a whole host of things. Um, Gossip this Girl is just a giant is prime time. Alive and well, you know the dysfunctional wealthy family. You know is always going to be intriguing to people. But you got to make it realistic. You can't have the the patriarch of the family trying to screw all his daughters-in-law and, you know, shooting his sons. And, I mean, it's, and Philip going crazy. That was the most ridiculous mess they could have ever done. What do you think of Edmund being back? Because I call him a show killer. Think, well, you know... Because he he came on at the end of Another World, and that was a terrible, terrible storyline. Yes. I actually have to say, you know I'm not a big fan of Edmund either, but it's good for that show right now because there's nothing else going on. True, I mean, true. I mean, I was actually excited. I was like, well, at least Edmund will kidnap somebody or, you know. Or, well, and they've you know. destroyed Dinah. <laughs> they've destroyed her. They, Dinah and Mallet were a great couple. Oh, and they've she destroyed needs her. to leave. Uh, she is too good for the crap that they're giving her. I would... One Life to Live is having such a resurgence. I would love for her, to, for her and Dan Gother to come on as you know him come back and her. Oh, Dan Gauthier. Yeah, as um, Kelly and and what's his name? Kevin. Boy. Kevin. Yeah, I mean because she is just too good for that. You know, I would like to see her end up on GH or One Life to Live or somewhere where, I mean, where she could be nurtured and you know. Because she carried, she carried God like the last couple of years. But to me, it sort of seems like they're intent on breaking up every single good couple that they have. Because yeah. we've already mentioned Josh and Reva, already mentioned Gus and Harley. To a lesser extent, they broke up Dinah and Mallet, who were gold. Um, yeah. They have not created any form of relationship for um, Lizzie, which she had one, but in the, supposedly there's ones going to be coming. Yeah. And then you have um, Ashley and Coop, which is a very cute couple. I really hope yeah. that they do something with them. But, I mean, if they destroy them the way they've destroyed all the other good couples, you sort of have to wonder. Godlight is the type of soap, and you know, and I'm not a big fan of this because I used to be until days proved to me that that's not the answer. My big thing was bring back all the favorites. I used to think that would you know, boost ratings, but if that's not done carefully and correctly, then you just have a bunch of old favorites running around you know, being Oh, ruined. yeah. So because, I'm not a big fan of that anymore, but Guiding Light is definitely a soap that needs Danny and Michelle back and, and well, Ed and, Bauer and people like that. That at well, least and even the rumor, the rumor that before um, Vincent Arizari ended up on YNR, there was this huge rumor that he was going to end up back. Oh, if he would, I really think that would have given that show um, the buzz it needed. But I actually think him going to YNR and actually doing so good on there would even make it better, like if he does come at a later date. But You know, you know he's going to be him, the fall guy. You know he's going to end up being the fall guy for this whole Clear yeah. Springs fiasco. If they get him on Guiding Light, they need to throw it up. They need to throw the scripts up in the air 
and rewrite the entire show around him, like you know, like they did when Deidre Hall came back to Days. I mean, they just really have to back burner Gus and Harley and all of that. And you know, they need to make you know Nick or whoever you know if he Lou Jack is Nick it? or Lou Jack. It it would be you know, of course, it's a soap, so never say never. But Lou Jack died in Beth's arms, <laughs> so. They would have to really come up with a good Beth one. also thought that she had um, a Bauer child, too. So, I mean, anything's yeah, possible. So, I mean, anything's possible. You know, maybe somebody switched him off to a clinic in Switzerland. Alan, you know. I mean, Alan and Alexandra love to kidnap each other's children for sport. So, maybe, you know, Lou Jack is away, you know. But if he came back, you know, I'd like to see him do the dual role, you know, play both Nick and Lou Jack. Oh, and, that would, well, and I don't understand why you wouldn't do that when you have yeah. a character with that who had two popular characters, because exactly. you're getting I mean, a two-for-one special. Back. And one problem with that guy, though, is Vincent Arizari, he fell in, back in the 80s, he fell in love with every leading lady, you know, that he was paired with. I mean, well, you know, he, he and Sidney Coleman, um, they have a child together. They were divorced, but um, you know her from Hope, Young and the Restless. Okay. And then he was also dating um, uh, Kimberly Sims. But you um, don't really think that that would happen now. I mean, it's a little bit... No, it's not that I don't... No, that's what I was saying, but I would love for them to bring back the Mindy he was with. Oh. But they dated, so I don't know. That's another thing that happens in daytime, is that when these people date in real life, you know, what if they can't stand each other, you know? But the Mindy he was with, like when, when Jill Farron Phelps was writing that show, or in charge of that show, they were hot as hell, and they really they really carried that show, and it would be great to have her come back and be paired with him. And, I mean, I would love, I know people that are big fans with Beth Chamberlain, but I would love for Judy Evans to dye her hair back blonde and come oh, back God. as Beth. You well, know, she's not being used on Days of Our Lives, and nothing exactly. against Beth Chamberlain, because I, mean, I love Beth woman, Chamberlain. She is one of the most popular actresses in daytime, and I think if they put her back on there, and they, you know, and Phil, if they got her, Philip, and him back, I mean, and I might be wrong, because, you know, 20 years has passed, and it might, it could just be like Days, and it'd be like... I don't oh, know, there's something nice. to be said for that, though, because, I mean, when Luke and Laura came back... That was big, and I really think yeah, that it was when Bo and Hope came back. I mean, it used to be, it used to be that old super couples coming back was an was an easy money maker for soaps, like the ones that left in the eighties, and then they all started trickling back around the nineties. You know, Luke and Laura was huge. But I days, think I think that PA. part of it, I think part of it though, is the fact that. That, that their returns before was managed much better than they are being yes, exactly. Because they were so point in well case, executed, and they were I heard, for months. Exactly. I heard so much about Patch and Kayla being this great couple uh. on Days of Our Lives, and I didn't remember them back then. And I'm sorry, and I've said this before, but I just do not see it. I would rather have them be Stefan and Catherine Bell on General you know Hospital what? than Patch, Patch and Kayla. Patch and Kayla's return was so botched. I mean, it was so unbelievable. We hadn't seen or heard anything about Kayla in 10 years, and then she just decides to show up out of the blue at some random uh, Brady Horton wedding, you know, and then, ooh, surprise, Pat shows up at the same wedding. That was ridiculous. They should have brought Kayla back months before they brought Patch back and actually reminded the fan, the new fans who she was. Yep. And, you know, I mean, but you don't just bring them back on the same day. 
that was, and you know, they hadn't been on the show in 15 years. That was stupid. You well, know, when they brought Marlena back, they teased it for months. They did, and another thing is, soaps don't promo like they used to. And I know no, they I don't. Guess they feel like they don't have the budget, but I can remember being a kid, and when Marlena was coming back, they would air these commercials. One woman is going to change Salem forever. You know, and for weeks you'd be like, "Who is it? Who is it?" Especially since well, I wasn't and, reading the soap mags back then. And now you get out of the ashes commercials for Young and the Restless, which takes yeah. us to that soap. What did you think of Lynn Marie Latham's attempt to replicate General Hospital's success? Wow. Um, I think <laughs> Lynn Marie Latham is a very good writer. That being said, she's not right. She's not a good fit for Young and the Restless. I think she's highly intelligent, you know, proven by the fact that she writes about reliquaries and, and, and methane and stuff like that. But I think she is a little too cerebral for the average soap viewer. And I'm not saying that soap viewers are dumb because I am a proud soap viewer, but that's not why we look at soaps for a history lesson on the Nazis and reliquaries and things well, like that. And she, her, her writing style seems to be very much more plot-pointed, which is what General yes. Hospital was and what All and My Children is now. out the heart. You know, everybody in Genoa City hates each other. What happened to the nice, you know, Jack and Nikki were the best divorcees in TV. I mean, except maybe Brooke and Tad, they were the best of friends. You know, when did Nikki just overnight hate Jack? Because he became her boss at, um, at MVP. She suddenly loathes the man that raised her children. You know, and I, I don't know. It's like she wants to make this, Ebenezer Scrooge storyline with Jack where the whole town hates evil, dirty Jack. I was applauding Jack for tossing Gloria out of the Abbott Mansion. She's a gold-digging tramp. Hey, 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 hey. You let's know? not get into the Gloria... Let's not get into the Fisher-Baldwin <laughs> argument. There's Gloria. too much time, to, uh, too much stuff to cover and not enough time. Well, my, well, I have to say this. She, that family, they basically said, we're going to hand them the show and dismantle the Abbotts. That is a slap in the face to the old fans. And making Jack the villain, that was ridiculous. She was the villain, and he had every right to do what he did. But, you know, now even Jill hates Jack, his old partner in crime. I mean, when did Jill become so moral? This is the same Jill that screwed Jack when she was married to his father. You know, though, her, though, to be fair to Lynn Marie Latham, at least all the vets are still around. But she I does will say write this. for vets. I will give her that. She writes for the vets, but I don't think she really understood their their intricacy. You know, their relationships. You know, she really what? like right now. Why is Phyllis trying to prove, or why is she so? You know, I guess she is intent on finding out whether or not that Jack really screwed Gloria. Why would Phyllis care? Exactly. It would be loyal to Jack no matter what because of their relationship. She would not care about Gloria. Why would she care about Gloria? For Michael's sake? I mean, if they, you know, I, I just don't understand that. Why they want to insist on giving Gloria half the Abbott fortune. I mean, well, she's already got my, $50 million. And I think of it symbolically as them giving the Fisher Baldwins the show. It's like they want to get rid, they've already gotten rid of Ashley. You know, there's no Tracy, no Mamie, no Billy. 
Okay, but I have a question about that because there's been a lot of rumors about the fact that um, Drew was gotten rid of and Ashley was gotten rid of because of the because of Sony, and the reason why um, they killed off Drew is because Sony was upset that Bold and the Beautiful went and picked up Ashley yeah. when they got rid of her. So I'm not so there's I don't know that all of the blame is necessarily cast on Lynn Marie Latham in terms of the destruction of the Abbots. I mean if there, if she's getting edicts saying get rid of such and such, get rid well, of see, such and this such this is the problem that I think that this is the problem I think it is. It was Lynn Marie Latham's decision or whoever the exec you know, it was an executive decision to get rid of the character of Ashley. Sony got upset because Brad Bell, in his infinite wisdom, said, my father created these legacy characters, and I'm not going to see them fall to the wayside, so I'll bring them on to my show. And then Sony got ticked because they're like, okay, now these Y&R characters might boost ratings for B&B, a soap that we don't have a vested stake in. Well, not that only that, but, they're, but the way the soap industry is going, you just know that when Guiding Light or As the World Tur- Turns or both gets canceled, Bold and the Beautiful is going to become an hour-long show. Yeah. You know, that's their problem. They just wanted, they, you know, and they, they even rumored, the rumor was that they had mandated that Nick Newman be killed off if, the, if Joshua Morrow didn't resign because they were afraid that um, Brad Bell would pick him up. But it's like, the logic is, why are you killing off your vets? I mean, and why are you writing off your vets? And why do we have Jana on our screen? Why is Jana even there? Why are we spending time redeeming Jana, a ridiculous character, who tried to kill people because she was trying to get See, a fortune? At first, you know, I thought, I, at first I thought that they were grooming her to be the next Sheila. And see, this is the thing that gets me with Jana. Jana, we saw why Jana tried to kill them. She was trying to get her hands on that reliquary. A brain tumor doesn't do that. A brain tumor makes you crazy and want to kill just for sport. A brain tumor doesn't make you crazy, you know, doesn't say, okay, we're going to kill for a reliquary. I mean, that, that when they try to redeem characters, it's, it's ridiculous. You know, like the Baldwell, I mean, Baldwell, you know, Bardwell, William's brother, you know. Oh. They kill him off, and then they bring on this new twin. I, I think that literally the only reason the only reason they killed off Bardwell was to give Gloria fifty million dollars so that they could then pay for Kevin and yeah. um, Amber's money. Somebody um, at CBS is very happy to see Judith Chapman chew scenery and act like a bad '30s actress. I'm sorry. Well, but. I think part of it, I think also part of it may be, and I'm a big fan of the Fisher Baldwin, so I'm not agreeing with you, but I think also part of it might be is we get to see more of them because they're not legacy characters. And would you rather be seeing more of Gloria and Kevin, who are cheaper characters, as as opposed to people like the current Lily and the current Colleen and the current, I mean... Those type of things who are also cheaper characters. If I had to choose cheap characters versus cheap characters in terms of just pure cost, I'd choose the Baldwins over them any day. See, I feel like Lily and Colleen are legacy characters. I don't like the people that are playing. I don't like the the people that are playing them right now don't do anything for me. But I feel like soaps, one of the main reasons people tune into soaps year after year is because they are familiar you can stop watching for weeks and then tune in and then you'll still see an Abbott or a Newman. So I think that when in doubt, you write for and create for your core 
families. You know, Lily is a winner. She's Mamie's niece. You know, Mamie is a, a legacy character. I just, I don't see, I'd rather, I would rather see Lily than Jana and Kevin. And, and, you know, Kevin is a great actor, but, and I like Michael. You know, Kevin, Michael, and, you know, Gloria is okay in small doses. But for a while there, they were the five-day-a-week family. And it's like, are you kidding me? There's True. no rabbits in town. You know? I, I, I'll give you that. We can't end this episode without discussing Bull and the Beautiful because they just discussed um, or they just went through Brooke's rape, Stephanie's return. What do you think of Bull and the Beautiful? Wow. Okay. I think Brad Bell must be some kind of genius because his show stays around the same Nielsen numbers. It's an international hit. It's the number one soap internationally. Yeah, I just... It's not for me anymore. I mean, I am so tired of Bold and the Beautiful. I mean, all soaps are incestuous. I mean, you have to suspend your your disbelief because, you know, they're all incestuous to a point. But this soap has become so disgustingly incestuous that now we have Brooke's little sister, fresh from her breakup with Thorne, who also screwed Brooke and married Brooke, now going after Eric, who has two children by Brooke. Taylor's carrying Brooke's baby. I, I mean, it's just... I was reading that... Um, you need a you need a, a, a family tree scorecard that never forks to keep up with this show. I was reading the TV Guide Canada website the other day, and they were talking about how the fact that um, a third family really needs to be added to the mix because the, yeah. the pool is getting so small. But the only way that they could do a third family would be if, if they go an hour because yeah. – and they also pointed out that one of the worst things that um, Bold and the Beautiful could have done was to pair Nick and Taylor together because they're the only two other non-Logan or Forrester. I was so happy when – you know, the one thing I wanted for Ashley when she came to that show was to be paired, paired with Nick. I thought, hmm, yes, they can build a new family unit. You know, maybe. You thought that she'd be intended for Nick? I didn't think that at all. I mean, the whole, her thing with Rick was painful to watch. They oh, that no was bad. Chemistry. And well, I not only also, that, but it goes against every single thing that had been going on on Young and the Restless three weeks before. Yeah, it's like, what? where did Ashley have time to sneak in a, a booty call with a teenager? You know, when she was just on Y&R fighting with Jack, you know? Uh, it just that you know I don't know and Ashley to me the characters of Ashley and Brooke are so similar in their own on their own soaps that it's just kind of it's kind of weird to watch Ashley Abbott fight Brooke over Ridge I'm like well and you're you know because her Ridge is Victor you know what I mean it's like come on Ashley's supposed to be back in Genoa City I mean I just I firmly wish that you know they would go ahead and concede that Ashley is you know, let's bring Ashley back home. Let's get rid of um, what's her name, um, Amelia Hindley, and bring Heather Tom back as Victoria Newman. Isn't that and, interesting? That Bull and the Beautiful picked up. Um, yeah, it's like her common business sense here, folks. You know, if you want your show's ratings to go up, give us the people we like in the roles. Devetta Sherwood was a much better Lily than Crystal Khalil. And she was recast. Yes. Bring her back. 
come on. I mean, this well, Lily has no chemistry with any of the guys she's paired with. Well, the Back single the best thing the that they would... You know what I really... My biggest thing is with the Bold and the Beautiful? Huh. It's set in the fashion industry. The fashion industry is huge for women, 18 to 49, as evidenced by Project Runway, America's Top Model, Ugly Betty. But it's the only, it is the most unfashion industry type fashion industry show on TV. There's no gays. There's no supermodels. There's no ethnicity. Why don't they make it more resemblant to the real fashion industry? Give Brooke a flashy gay best friend, or bring on Vivica Fox as a temperamental black supermodel. You know, I mean, something that would be relevant to the real fashion industry. Well, do you think see, this incestuous little family that lives on a? And I think that's why they were so concerned about Drusilla, because if Drusilla had been on that show, Drew would have been great. She would have been the show. perfect fit for that show. She would have been much better than um, Ashley. Yes, and, and that's why they were so great. concerned because you know that Belle would have picked up Drusilla because she is such a diva, and that's what I think Bold and the Beautiful needs. You know, Forrester needs an outrageous, temperamental diva. You know, supermodel that won't wake up for ten, less than ten thousand dollars a day. Or, you know, I mean, and maybe that's the whole thing with that show. They need to just totally let Brooke open a modeling agency and give a whole new. You know, bring on four or five new characters that are you know models. Well, they do you know? potentially have the room for that because there's they're True. they're having Jackie take and start restart Spectra. So I mean, oh, really? there there's the possibility that maybe they could do something there. I think See, that I think that they could find room on the show. In my opinion, you know, I hate to say this because this is real people's jobs, but you know, get rid of Jackie, get rid of Donna, get rid of. Katie, get rid of um, what's the brother, Brooks' brother, and Bobby. Oh Hewitt. no, I want him. And unless, unless Leslie K, unless Leslie K goes back to as the world turns, Storm needs to stay on that show until Storm and Felicia hook up. Oh God, another Logan Forrester hookup. <laughs> yeah, but at least it would be the ones yeah. that deserve it. I mean, Felicia hasn't had a storyline since the well, cancer one. Felicia's first love is coming back to the show, Todd. Well, his name is Todd McKee. What was his name? Jake. Jake, yeah. He was like, they had a big storyline back in the 80s where this guy was molested by his father. And, you know, that was back when Colleen Dion was playing Felicia. So, yeah, he's coming back to the show. I just um, to me it, it to me it's one of those things where you have um, William DeVry and you have Leslie Kay. Both of them are very good actors. Mm-hmm. Both of them, I mean, are from the two families involved, but they they are out of the normal Ridge Thorn Brook. What Bold and Beautiful needs to be doing, we talked about this with Days, is restrengthening their younger generation. Why not bring on um, that guy that sometimes plays Will Rappaport? On one life to live as as the new Thorn. I mean, not Thorn. What's his name? Thomas. Ooh, that's not Thomas. about it. Yeah, you know, and let him be a young man whore like Ridge was at that age. You know. I I also had an idea just idea just now. They could have Lily Winters run away from from Young and the Restless, or even so, we could have Devetta Sherwood show up as Lily Winters on Build the Beautiful, and have Camille yeah. on Young and the Restless as Lily Winters. Yeah, just have it. Hey, if it was if it was GH in Port Charles, they'd figure out a way to make it work. Exactly, exactly. 
we'll have to have you on again. I know that Elisa would love to have a chance to visit with you. We'll have to have you on again. Until next time, folks, so long. Thank you for listening. Send your emails about this podcast to dc at tvfananline.com. Until next time, so long, folks. 